Come, read FM. No, I'm not doing that. You should just, do it. I don't have the energy. Do it. I don't have the energy the way that you do it or the way the mic does it. It's only the way I do it. Stephen doesn't do it. He just says hello and welcome. It's the way that it's the way that you start with the from, and mm. I really don't have that kind of energy in the summer. It's too hot. But this is one of those things where um, where you do a thing and people remember you for that thing even after you stop doing it. <laughs> TJ says, "Make it weird, Federico." Because <laughs> I don't, I don't do the loud from anymore. I haven't done that in a long time because mm. everyone made fun of me. But people still think that I do it, even though I don't do it. I still say from yeah. Relay FM, but like I don't do the from, which is what I did for maybe, a while. I don't do hey, that anymore. Maybe you could do from Relay. Well, what I what I have been doing recently is like, well, what I'd started doing was I just modulate it all over the place. From Relay FM is what I, stuff like that I do now. So mm. like you put put the emphasis in the different syllable. Interesting. Can we actually start the show now? Anyway, yes, yes. From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode three hundred and four. You feel the energy, guys? Um, Are we ready? This is, no, this is very, very unusual. You, Would you have you, a coke today? You or something? Sound like a like a NASCAR announcer. <laughs> and you coming have, around corner three, you, we have our sponsors: Pingdom really, and ExpressVPN. Do you really have any idea what NASCAR's announcer would sound like? Wait, which one of us, Federico? Me or him? Well, I've seen movies where NASCAR is mentioned, and I have a general idea of what a NASCAR announcer should sound like, like the kind of person that it also would be. Yeah. Tell me more about that kind of person. Nope, don't do that. Well, I imagine like a fat white guy mm-hmm. with like, okay. like, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, holding an hamburger in one hand and a microphone in the other. So basically like... <laughs> no, please stop me here. No, no. No, I'm stopping I want to know So, coming around corner number two, it is Mr. Federico Vatici. Hello. Hi. I hate this so much. Me Wait, too. just to make sure this is a regular episode, right? This is actually yeah. going up on the internet. Okay, hi. Uh, thanks for having me after all these years, despite the things I say. and recovering from his crash coming out of pit row we have mike hurley you know a lot of terminology over there Mm -hmm. don't you pit row are you secretly in nascar i mean you you live in the south are you secretly at ease doing this yeah i know right it's like immediately (laughs) like just pulling all this language out it is just very Mm -hmm. serious felt like he really knew what he was doing are you a secret Mm -hmm. nascar fan I want to keep that secret, but no, I'm not okay. really a NASCAR fan. It is interesting that everyone, including you, Mike, are F1 fans all of a sudden because it's the only thing on TV. No, no. My my F1 fandom came before because of the uh, documentary. Oh, so you're an F1 hipster. Not that long. This was going to be my first season that I was going to watch because I really liked the uh, Netflix documentary, Drive to Survive. Wait, wait, what are we talking about here? Formula One. Uh, are you a Formula One person now? Yeah, I am, yeah. Since when? Uh, since the beginning of the season, which was now like a month or two ago. Is there a season happening? Yeah, yeah, okay. there is. Yeah, yeah. They start. They started it like th- three or four weeks ago. You know what the season's called? The summer of F one. Like the summer of fun, but F one kind of smashed together. 
They start usually in March. Formula One was one of the first sports to close down because they actually had a uh, confirmed coronavirus case the day before the like the first season, so they shut it down. And uh, one of the cars gets sick. Nope, it's uh, one of, one of the many many people that work on F one. So yeah, I've been starting to watch that, and I really enjoy it. Interesting. I really I really struggle with sports. Like with following sport, I really me too. But this this one, this one works for me. The the reason it works is that the documentary kind of enlightened me to the fact that there's a ton of drama around it, which is fun. Um, there's only twenty drivers, so like it's not a million people you have to keep up with. There's ten teams. Every team has two drivers. That's it. And the sport itself, like the races themselves, they're done in like an hour and a half. That's it. There's no half time. I'm familiar with how an F1 thing works it's okay. just a, i struggle with sports in general because like i struggle watching watching something that i will not be able to compete in in the future like i yeah. watch competitive pokemon because then i can also compete and win or lose so it's the it's the opposite of why i like the winter olympics no but television you don't have a problem with television shows yeah though, right? yeah no 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 stop, 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 stop. he watches stuff that he can partake in Mm-hmm. I watch stuff that I specifically cannot partake in. We're opposites. But you could play basketball. That's what. But I can't ski down a mountain at 100 miles an hour, so I prefer the winter no, Olympics. No, but you watch basketball. Sure. Well, it's not a universal rule. And but... you have like a football season tickets, and you can play both of those sports. So it's not That's the same. True. You just have mm-hmm. a weird thing about the Olympics. I do like the winter Olympics. <laughs> Congratulations. But I'm, I'm intrigued about this Federico. Does it extend to all types of media? Or is it just sports? No, because uh, because no, because no, media, like TV shows or movies, they have a story to tell. So you tune uh-huh. in to, to, to know about the story. It's right. a form of entertainment. Whereas sports, my problem with it is that it's presented as entertainment to you, but you are not, like there's no story, it's just something happening out of your control. And also the thing that I really dislike is that those people make a lot of money and you don't as a as an audience member. And like so and and it's also always kind of funny when I hear people so uh soccer obviously it's the big thing here in Italy. And when people like when they root for a specific team and they say something like oh we won or we lost. Yeah, oh, you I didn't don't, lose. I don't, like I don't like that. Those I don't, people I don't are like making that. millions yeah. of money every single day and you're like, you know, you're still broke. I know like, that this is a very normal thing in all sports and like that people refer to their team as we. I'm sure Steven does it about the teams that he follows in competitive sports too. Mm-hmm. But I don't I I've never liked that. It doesn't make sense to me. Like the weness of it. I don't know and just especially again with soccer so the exa- the example that I have here in Italy. Just I wish you'd general call it football. I wish you'd call football. football. Yeah, Thank okay. You. I I I would call it football, but then Americans would say, oh, American football. No, it's not yeah, no, American because football. Because that's American football. Okay, so football. And then um, the, the actual football no, game is football. No, it's football and European football. It's American football and football. Uh, the general animosity surrounding that, like people getting upset when they talk about it, you don't hear people, well, except maybe for Star Wars fan, but you didn't, fans, but you don't hear people getting upset about movies or TV shows. Yeah. Like, this just, is another reason why like why Formula One works for me because I agree with all of these things that you're saying, right? But like, so Formula One is different, maybe because like check it out. it's there's like teams and individuals, and the and the individuals move around so much to different teams that it, it, to me at least feels a little bit difficult to be like, oh, I love this team. Well, like, there are teams because there's, there's I kind of like want multiple people to do well. 
So typically, no matter who wins, there's always someone that I really like who did really well in that race because I have like four different drivers out of the 20 that I want to see succeed. Mm. So, and plus there is a lot of drama in the sport as well, like that, that goes on, which is interesting to follow. Uh, and there's, yeah, I, I like it. It works for me. It, like it really works for me as a sport because it doesn't have a lot of the trappings that I typically do not enjoy about sports. So interesting. So the, yeah, if you have any interest at all at all, even like a sliver, you should watch the Netflix documentary drive to survive. Cause it is also just a very, very good documentary. And, I was hooked, like absolutely hooked. So I recommend it. Interesting. Start yeah. there. It's Check a classy it. sport too, Federico. So yeah, I feel like you'd enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, really. The main thing I dislike is the team-based culture surrounding all kinds of sports. And I do appreciate, like I do appreciate a good athlete in isolation, like seeing somebody do something incredible on the field, like, I don't know, Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like, I can appreciate that. But then when, he, when, when you reach the, you know, the entertainment territory and, and the culture about, you know, fans and teams, and yeah, I, I really dislike that. It doesn't really, f- I mean, like, of course, there are people that follow teams, right, in Formula One, but it doesn't feel as diehard as other team-based sports, where there's like mm. large teams or whatever, you know, and also just that don't 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 be a fan of Ferrari right now would be my recommendation to you, Federico. I know it's going to be upsetting, but they're doing really bad. So honestly, I don't really care. <laughs> okay, uh, but like you know, you say about like it's it's fun to watch when there's a single person who's very good. So you know who Lewis Hamilton is, right? You must be familiar with him. He's in the musical. Is the is the driver right? Is the driver? Yeah, the driver. He is like. He is about to equal the records and is starting to equal many, but like this year will probably equal the record for being the best ever. So like he's about to cross over to becoming the best ever. So like if that kind of thing interests you, that is happening right now in Formula One, right? That there is someone who is about to become the best ever at the sport. So, you know, like that idea of like there being standout individuals like Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, Lewis Hamilton is another one of them. So. You want to do some follow-up? Yeah. <laughs> no, wait, have you done the intro, by the way? Yeah, I introduced you. Yeah, it was in a NASCAR voice. So, Stephen, so what I'll say is if you did not enjoy any of the last 10 minutes of the show, you have Stephen to blame. Hmm. That's a bold, that's a bold statement. You started with the NASCAR voice. No, you said NASCAR first. I never said anything about NASCAR. Maybe Federico said it, but I had nothing Federico to do with did. It. Federico's fault. Always. So, uh, follow up more about my photo situation. I've conducted a Twitter poll, and it's um, it's something. So, all right, I have uh, this is the thing. Well, I've written this in the document. That Stephen attempts to try and pr- prove why his system of albums is good. Uh, I think Stephen. So Stephen posted the following poll on Twitter: What is the primary way you organize your photo library? And he gave the following four answers: albums, tags, faces, or I let an app do it for me. Now I believe that when Stephen posted this, he was hoping that he was going to win and albums were going to be prevalent. So not only is it in thirty four percent of the vote with I let an app do it for me at fifty two percent of the vote. I actually have a problem with yeah. I let an app do it for me. Because because I don't use an app. I just use the photos thing on my device. What would you call that? What would you call that icon you tap that has content in it? No, because what most people are doing, which is what I do and what Federico does, Uh is I don't care about sorting. Yeah. 
Yeah, so you let the app do it for you. No, because it's not about sorting. The fourth option should it just be uh, I don't I don't know I don't or none of the above. Like or maybe just I don't. Like but I don't even, organize my photo library. And even also, with your poor questioning where you're trying to lead the witness, you you I'm are not, being proved. Yeah, as wrong it was here. very odd phrasing with with uh, with the second with an ulterior motive, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'll win in the Electoral College. This is exactly the kind of thing that a NASCAR announcer would do. <laughs> the kind of shady guy that holds an hamburger and a microphone with the other hand. You gotta stop. And drips hamburger sauce on his shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. for sure. He dripped it in the microphone. Now there's burger sauce in the microphone. <laughs> stop um, saying burger sauce. So, uh, <laughs> so um, basically, if you, are you going to concede that Albums is not as popular as you thought it was. Look, just because something is popular doesn't mean that it's right. <laughs> why, why have you done a poll, a poll then? If you didn't care about pop, <laughs> popular opinion, because if it had worked in my favor, <laughs> then it would have been. Then, then popularity would have right? won. Yeah. It would have been great. Yeah. So uh, I will say, in the members episode of Mac Power Users that comes out on Sunday, uh, David Sparks really just took me to task. <laughs> about this good good i'm pleased that david allowed this to cross over into your serious podcast yeah and so uh we'll see how this goes hold on a second i want to talk about those 29 people the 1.8 percent of six of the one percent of photo (laughs) those 29 people who organize their photos with tags I'm really as their as their <laughs> primary way <laughs> as their primary way. Like there are 29 people who follow you, Stephen, or may have come across this poll on Twitter, who chose to answer that their primary way to organize their photo library is via tags. Now, I don't even know what it means. I, I I am genuinely curious to hear what this means. So if you are among that group of 29.03 people. Please get in touch with well, Stephen for the show. We have uh, the poll creator right here with us now. What did you mean by tags? What's a tag what in is photo tag? management? In photos, you can apply tags or keywords. Where? Yeah. What? Yeah, on the Mac version, you can't do it on the ah, stupid on the iOS version. Oh, jeez. See, like, you just you, you try Mac. and like rig everything in your favor. Well, do you, you go home and you uh, plug in your Ooh. digital camera? And I you saw have, my photos I by have, Exif oh, data only. Look at my digital hub. I'm Steve oh. Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I use folders in Finder primarily. I did do that for a long time. As did you, Mike. So shut your mouth. No, 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 no. That was a secondary backup solution. It was not my sorting. Mm. So why don't you shut mm. your mouth? <laughs> Which is <laughs> apparently where we go on this show now. Do I add descriptions in the photos.app photo on my uh, application you're on my Mac You know, captions computer. is actually a thing I'm going to have to write about this summer. Look, I've got a Mac Pro, and I might as well apply thousands of keywords with it to make it earn its keep, you know? It's got to justify this expense somehow. Is that how you do it? I, I don't know. Ask my CPA at the end of the year. So anyway, ta- tags you can add in Photos for Mac. And mm-hmm. once you add a tag, y- it can become like a filtering thing for... Um, okay. And it shows up in search as a, a token for search. So if... Uh, like say that there's a photo with no other data and there's a tag, it would still show up when you search for that relevant term. Okay. What is captions 
in iOS 14? Uh, captions, uh, you can swipe up on a photo and uh-huh. you can add uh, like a description for that photo. And mm. those will um, sync between devices. I'm not sure. I, I think I've seen somewhere, but I still have to test it. It's in my mind map somewhere uh, that you can also search for the contents of those captions. So like if you have a photo... Uh, I don't know, of a trip to Paris and you want to add a description and say, oh, this was like a good cappuccino that I had in Paris. Then later you can search for those keywords in the caption and the caption will sync between devices. It's not something that I... W- How do you access this You swipe up on a photo. So you open it. photos. Oh, that's really not... It's like, okay, it appears underneath the image. Underneath the image and you can add a caption there. And so, I don't know, let's see... I'm going to add a caption, Ginger, looking at the camera while sitting on the bed. So this is a caption. Uh, It's quite useless. But if I search then for sitting, it will not find the photo. (laughs) So Well, I mean, there's there's a possibility that it has to index those. Oh, yes, it says indexing. It's indexing. It won't be instant. It's a single photo. It's indexing. It's five words. God, God, you got to run the Siri intelligence on those first. You do you, photos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it will, very slowly. I have some exciting news I'd like to share with you all. It's actually an announcement. Oh, Right okay. here. Okay. Yeah. So today, like right now, as I'm speaking, I am launching a new podcast with our friend Quinn Rose. It's a NASCAR podcast. Yes, it's called Driving in Circles. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It is called Bear Left, Right Frog. It's over on The Incomparable. And what we're doing is once a month, Quinn and I are watching a Muppet film and talking about it. So we just started with 1979's The Muppet Movie. We'll be going mm-hmm. in chronological order. Mm-hmm. So in August, we'll have an episode up about uh, the next Muppet movie, and then the one after that, and the one after that, until we're done. I wonder if there'll be a new Muppet movie by the time you're done. I don't think there's one currently in the works. I think they're making a TV show for HBO they're, Max or something. They are doing a TV show, which yeah. is outside of the scope of this. Well, this is very fun. I'm a big fan of Quinn, the original Quinn. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm always pleased to hear more Quinn programs. I am not a Muppet person, though. I, I've seen a couple, like Christmas Carol and stuff. So maybe this... Well, here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. Will I enjoy these movies if I've never seen them before? But if I've never yeah, seen fun. them before, like if I didn't have them when I was a kid... Mm-hmm. I think so. Okay. I, I will say the older ones, like the ones we're watching now, they have a lot of references that like are very 1979 that mm. we had to look up. Oh, so dear. maybe I think what I would recommend. Oh, I have also seen the modern one, the modern Muppet movie, which I really enjoyed. With uh, I would Jason say Siegel. watch both modern Muppet modern Muppet movies. So there's there's two, and then I would go from there. I would go with like the remake, so like Muppet Treasure Island and Muppet Christmas Carol are good. Muppet Treasure Island is one of my favorites. I've seen Christmas Carol. I've seen the the modern one with Jason Segel, the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's one after that that Tina Fey's in. I don't know if I've seen that one. It's good. Muppet Treasure Island is also very funny. That's one of my favorites. Muppets Most Wanted. Yes. That's the I've newest one. I've seen this one. too, I think. Ricky Gervais is in it. Yes, I've seen this one. Huh. Okay. Well, I at least there's a few episodes that I'll listen to. I'm very happy for you, Stephen, but uh, this, is, this is one of those times that sometimes happen when I'm in California for WWDC, when suddenly you guys start talking about something that is so culturally distant 
from me that I have no idea what your guys are talking about, and that's when I usually grab my phone and text Sylvia or something. There was there was a funny thing earlier where. Uh, was this today where where uh, Federico was trying to explain what Muppets he knew about, and it, they were they were all Sesame Street characters, I think. Uh, I just know Big Bird. I'm a big fan of Big Bird as a, as a, like as a character concept. in general, okay. as a concept. Yes, I just think the concept of a Big Bird is <laughs> big really yellow fascinating. bird. A big yellow bird is really really awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know the name of his friend? Snuffleupagus, uh, and he's a mammoth, a big purple mammoth. No idea what you're talking about. I know, right? He's not purple, isn't he? Purple? I know, I know. No, Cookie- he's like a he's like a long-haired brown elephant type. Situation. I know Cookie Monster. Cook is Cookie Monster a Muppet? Yes. Well, one of the Sesame Street characters, right? Okay, but they're all technically Muppets. Sesame Street characters are like a subset of Muppets. Oh, so it's not like all inhabitants of Sesame Street are Muppets in the same way that all people who live on earth are people um it's complicated because Mm -hmm. they're technically one and the same but they're also not like canonical muppets interesting okay well the artwork looks really good steven it's really good it really does look like you it really does Mm -hmm. look like you yeah it, I uh, I love the artwork uh, and I'm super excited. So this is now my second show on The Incomparable. I also do Somehow I Manage with Tiff Armit where we are re-watching The Office. Ah, that one I know. a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not Muppets on that one. Very nice. Uh, let's take a break and then we're going to talk about uh, new iOS betas. How's that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. While you've been listening to this podcast, thinking about Muppets and NASCAR, (laughs) tech podcast, it's very strange. How would you know if your website had gone down? How would you know if your customers couldn't be clicking that buy now button or accessing your content? You could stumble across the problem by luck, but you need a system. You need something to tell you that everything is running smoothly on your site, and more importantly, when it's not, you need Pingdom. It detects around 13 million outages every month, That's more than 400,000 outages every day. Pingdom helps keep your sites and the sites you love, like One Relay FM, keeping them online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company, you need alerts about critical website issues. Pingdom lets you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of the outage. Plus, they track and analyze your website's load times, so you can see what elements may be affecting user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. They have a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL you want to monitor, and they take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for the support of the show and RelayFM. All right, so iOS 14 beta 3 slash public beta 2. Uh, are here, and there's a lot of changes. I think more changes than I anticipated for a beta 3. Oh, did public beta 2 come out as well? I think it came out just as we uh, sat down to record. And it's based on beta 3? Must be. Yes. Okay, yep. cool. Yep, here it is on 95 Mac. Nice. So uh, what are some of these changes, Federica? I know you were really excited about the, the music stuff. Um, 
<laughs> Essentially, like most of the things in this beta, I dislike. Uh, and also, this beta is quite buggy, I should say, especially in notes. Like, I'm having all kinds of issues with um, the keyboard not appearing in notes. Um, so, it, it's not surprising. Usually, every other beta uh, in the summer is problematic. So, anyway, uh, music. There's a new icon for the music app, and the widget color has changed as well to match the icon. So, the icon has gone from a white background with a multicolor. Uh, gradient glyph to an um, I work gonna call it orange or I don't know it's is it really orange some kind of orange slash pink slash like salmon 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 like, maybe uh, it looks it looks like the pinkish iPhone five C kind of like it's that like the same uh, isn't that coral coral yes also that's a coral good, yeah coral coral, coral. coral. Uh, <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. And uh, there's a white glyph on top of it. Very simple white glyph. Um, I strongly dislike it. I hate it. it. It's so boring. Is it? Isn't this just the iOS seven music icon? Well, it's even not as um complex as that because I believe that the iOS iOS eight maybe music icon had some kind of gradient going on, a more pronounced gradient that make it made it look like somebody actually cared and spent more than twenty minutes doing the icon. Mm-hmm. Instead, this one is just yeah, let's take a color and put a white glyph on top of it. It doesn't like. I really dislike it because it doesn't have any personality, just a color and a white glyph. And the old icon, while being, yes, another white icon, at the very least, the music glyph contained inside the icon had the Apple Music brand colors. That's uh, exactly it, right? Like the, 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 the previous version felt like a brand. Yeah. This, this just one... feels like the music stock app yeah, on the iPhone, which it was before. It's just, it's strange. I find it very peculiar. It's very strange, and isn't the whole point to sell people on Apple Music? Uh, you know, and and I'm sure that seeing those colors, and you see them on the Apple website, you see it in advertisements, you see it in a bunch of places, then you see them on your phone, and you think, yeah, that's Apple Music. And so maybe if you're not a subscriber, I don't know. Anyway, uh, it's a very boring icon. But what's even worse, in my opinion, is the, what what happened to the widget. Now the widget has the same color, the music widget in iOS 14, has the same background color of this icon. So it's a coral uh, widget Car. now. Carl widget. Carl. Uh, the issue with that is that um, text, uh, white text uh, on top of a coral background is kind of tricky to read. So uh, legibility has gone way down, especially for the um, caption. Uh, so in the compact layout, for example, in the small widget, the name of the artist uh, is in a lighter font. And I find that really hard to read against an orange background. Also, some music artworks are going to clash with this coral background. Because before, Apple had this relatively neutral white background for the widget. And you could, you know, you use a drop shadow around the artwork, you can be sure that everything is going to look good on top of it because it's just a basic white background. But with this orange stuff, uh, some music albums that have a cover that is like multicolor and that has multiple shades of orange or red or yellow, they're going to look 
kind of ugly on top of an on top of an orange widget. So uh, two main problems: I don't understand why it was necessary to move away from the brand colors, uh, and two. Well, th three main issues. Two, this is boring. And three, the widget is not problematic because it's less readable than before and certain music al music album artworks are going to look ugly on top of, it, of uh, the new widget. So, I don't get it. I don't understand w why this was necessary. Maybe it's one of those tests. Sometimes Apple does it to sort of... Um, gauge people's reaction to a to a visual change and then they're gonna revert it in the next version i really hope this is the case but i'm feeling i'm not feeling optimistic about this one guys because they also changed the icon on the mac so big sur also has the or should i say big sur also has the new the new icon uh with the new big sur style el grande it. sur Grande sur. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, grande sur. Um, yeah. So, some people are surprised that Jiggle Mode is now uh, officially mentioned by Apple in official copy in iOS 14. Uh, there's, an, there's a new alert that pops up in mm -hmm. iOS 14 Beta 3 when you first open the Today page for widgets. That basically explains uh, if you want to add new widgets. Uh, you need to long press on the screen to enter Jiggle Mode. And uh, Jiggle Mode, as a joke on Twitter, has sort of made the resurgence uh, since WWDC, since Craig Federighi uttered the word uh, or the expression again. It's not really new. Uh, it's something that like a bunch of people have always called the Jiggle Mode. Uh, Steve Jobs called the Jiggle Mode like 10 years ago. It's all, like I've always referred to that either as jiggle mode or wiggling mode, one of the two. I think I think the reason that people are bringing it up and even why I put it in the document is seeing it written in sure it's it's, text it's kind of on funny. The iPhone, it's kind of funny. It's not only funny, but I think that that's not happened before. No, that's not happened before. So yes, it made its way to official copy inside iOS. Uh, so yeah, I'll give you that because um, it's like I don't know what else they've called it, but I know they've called it other things, right? Like I think it was called rearrange mode. Yeah, like or what you know, but that you know that they've they've mentioned it in a bunch of ways, I'm sure, in the past. But this this seems to be like this is what they're calling it. Which I mean, honestly, it does make sense. Like the reason people refer to it like Steve on stage sure. as jiggle mode is because that's what's happening. It's jiggling. Sure. Everything's yeah. jiggling. Getting getting jiggling. Honestly, um, I still I I, don't, I I think jiggle <laughs> jiggle mode shouldn't exist anymore anyway. Like I think that it's a little played at this point. Um, but I don't know what what you'd replace it with. Yeah, just something like that. Like everything jiggling around seems so peculiar in an operating system which is otherwise pretty devoid of things like this now. Like these types of like playful animations don't really exist. In other places, like there are elegant animations, there are uh, pleasant to look at animations, but this is very much the company that like created the genie minimization thing for the dock and slow motion mode for it. Yeah, and like, but Apple doesn't really do that stuff anymore. It really, like, you can argue as to whether you want them to do it, but my point is that like this kind of feels like a last bastion of an old ideal. That they haven't changed. Um, do you think I'm talking out like off base here? Yeah, it could be one last concession to that ideal of having that sort of like whimsy in user interfaces. They st hmm, maybe to an extent they have brought it back in other places. Like there are some playful 
transitions here and there. Um, like I do miss that kind of stuff, right? Like like a lot of people because I am nostalgic for it. Sometimes it was a little too much, like shredding shredding a pass in wallet. Like yeah, it's why I'm mostly okay with the fact that that time is over because it does get mm. like like get out of hand overwhelming. Quickly. You feel like you're cutting through the operating system with a chainsaw at times, right? Like trying to get anything done because it's so like everything's so thick. Mm. Um, but, it, you know, it's just like a funny thing to see. Uh, so we know that the uh, hand-washing reminders, mm-hmm. not reminders, like the hand-washing things come into WatchOS 7, where, like, it can, it can like, recognize if you're washing your hands and start doing a 20-second countdown. They've added a feature. It's I've seen it referenced in the settings on iOS, but it's obviously for WatchOS, that I actually really like, which is a hand-washing reminder based on location. Mm-hmm. So if you get home and your watch has not detected that you've washed your hands, it will say, hey, wash your hands. I think this is a really clever way of adding functionality to that feature because just detecting if I am washing my hands and then counting the 20 seconds is not really enough to do what you might want to be monitoring for, which like is the, the I want my devices to be able to maybe tell me like, don't forget. And this is a great one, right? That if I get home and it hasn't detected that I've washed my hands, then one of two things has happened. Either A, I haven't, or B, I didn't do it well enough. Uh, mm. And so I think that's kind of cool. I uh, have not put WatchOS 7 on any of my mm. watches. Federico, have you done that? On, yeah, I yeah, only have one a, watch. I don't on know why I said any of my watches. I, I haven't put it on at all. Have you tried it? Yeah, it's on my watch right now. What do you think about this feature? Well, it looked okay initially. And I had to disable it after a few hours because it was picking up hand-washing movements for all kinds of movements in my life, from grating cheese to just doing chores around the house. I was going to say, you know, like we all know about Italians, you're very hand gestury when you talk, you know, you're just having a conversation. It's like, Mm -hmm. hey, you're washing your hands. It's like, no, I'm just upset. It was like it was coming up constantly. And so I don't think I don't think it's very good, honestly. Well, I uh, think it's fair to say that this is a feature that is much newer from uh, idea to implementation than probably other features in the operating system. So maybe it will will get better over the beta period, right? Like you you got to assume that nobody had this idea until maybe April, even late they- March, April. Even though Apple is on the record saying that no, this is, we actually thought of this before. I don't. I don't believe them personally. What they like, thought of a hand, wa- a twenty-second hand washing monitor thing before COVID? Yeah, I don't they think so. they have an interview on CNET, I believe, saying that all the hand washing stuff uh, they actually thought about it for years. Uh, then what did it take them so long wh- for? Then well, <laughs> a pandemic, I guess. Um, what a coincidence, right? Um. Mm, I don't. I don't, I, I don't. Look, this might be something again. Like you can you can make that point however you want. Someone might have suggested it years ago, and they got told no, that's not important, right? Because like <laughs> otherwise, why else did this take years? Right. I haven't yeah. read this article. And I also didn't like, even know it existed. I mean, it's it's really based on some fascinating tech. Like they're doing. Um, they're applying machine learning uh, to sound analysis to pick up sounds like the 
the soapy sound of mm-hmm. like uh, rinsing your hands and and the the they part, they mentioned like in this interview the particular sound signature that soap has and of course the 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 sound of running water and the like the sound of of you rubbing your hands together like they're doing all this extra stuff it's not it's not just the accelerometer detecting a particular kind of hand motion it's like there's all this this entire like software based layer on top of it which i think is really fascinating it's just too it's just very bad mm. right now so i think that this is being misquoted so let me give you a, what i'm talking about here right Unlike other Russia's from a TechCrunch article, unlike other rush initiatives undertaken by the company once the virus hit, the forthcoming Apple Watch handwashing app wasn't built overnight. The feature was the result of years of work. Now, I think that that means in all of the underlying technology that allowed for this to occur, mm-hmm. right? Because they had to make this technology for other things, right? For like like the swim in or whatever. I don't. I genuinely do not believe that three years ago someone was like, "We need to build a handwashing timer into." Yeah, um- I'm very skeptical too. I'm very skeptical too, which is, yeah, exactly. Like, I completely agree with the fact that it has taken multiple years of work on Apple Watch sensors to enable this technology, but they're two different things. Yeah. That That's my thinking on this one. So. Yeah. So anyway, it's not very good right now. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's it's really not very good, the, you know, despite all the machine learning uh, and stuff. So I will try it again at some point. <laughs> so if they have worked on it for years... Maybe another year. <laughs> yeah, may, I mean, why not add a, an extra couple just of years? Just another one. While you're at it, just yeah. screw, whatever. Anyway. Um, you got to wash all the bugs out of there. Mm-hmm. Sure. Saying. Um, back to iOS 14 beta 3. That was a good joke. You won't appreciate it in your time. That's right. Yeah, just like Michael. Um, there, there's another new widget. This, uh, this is part of the widgets that were shown off at WWDC. Uh, but they were were not actually included in beta one. So first came files in beta two, and now it's the time for the clock widget. Now uh, there's a clock widget. It comes in three sizes. Uh, I believe it's three sizes, or is it two sizes? Well, you can have you can have a small analog clock on your home screen, or you can have a larger widget showing you multiple analog clocks for the times of different cities around the world and like other widgets in iOS 14 you can configure the widget by uh, entering the settings page for the widget and picking different cities so it's all very nice and very useful however uh, I also have issues with this one and let me tell you a very quick story of Federico which is me tweeting about this issue and being called (laughs) stupid more or less directly by a bunch of people on Twitter Mm -hmm. I noted how uh, while great and very useful to have this clock widget uh, very good example of the kind of dynamic and glanceable things that widgets enable now um, some people like me may have difficulties reading, and I specify, and I use this expression because it was very important. At a glance, time with an analog clock, you know, mm-hmm. with the with the hands mm-hmm. moving and stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I said I would welcome a digital option where I can just again glance at the mm-hmm. numbers, which mm-hmm. I find easier to read. And a lot of people were really upset at me and uh, 
For example, uh, some guy told me that the Italian education system failed me mm-hmm. because I couldn't read analog clocks. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was you know some some, some very n- unfunny people on Twitter pointing out that you know read if you cannot read an analog clock, you're essentially an uneducated person. Um, so I stand by my statement that uh, analog clocks are by definition, uh, slower to read at a glance because you need to do, uh, you know, they they come with this uh, latency of uh, looking at a shape and and making sense of that shape. And I stand by my belief that a lot of people who didn't grow up wearing watches or looking at an analog clock on the wall would very much welcome a digital option. Uh, which is also I why think, on look, your phone, on your lock screen, you don't have clock hands, you have the time spelled out with numbers. Yeah, I am a person who much prefers the visuals of uh, an analog watch face, right? So, like, I wear watches with hands and numbers on a dial because I like the way that looks. But I agree with you that a digital readout is easier to understand and it has less ambiguity in certain circumstances depending on if you use the 24-hour clock or not you know i am a proponent of the 24-hour clock but that's like a different thing for another time um if you're going to go digital however like i agree with you right like it whether you or anybody has a more like a harder time of reading digital or, or analog i don't really know if that's necessarily the the like has to be argued the point is like what you're getting at is true like it should be a digital option because it is easier to read at a glance you are using a computer right like Mm -hmm. these showing a readout in numbers rather than trying to emulate um hands of a face is it makes more sense in a lot of circumstances like i don't know why they've they've owned you know maybe again maybe it will come it should but like just having a a analog option for these clock widgets seems peculiar to me yeah so steven do you have any thought as the resident um old person here do you have steven any thoughts? would prefer a sundial <laughs> man sundials are cool sundials are really cool Spoken like a true Roman. <laughs> it could use the compass and the phone. That'd be very exciting. Uh-huh. My takeaway is here, like, don't be a jerk to someone on Twitter because they have a clock preference. Like, come on. The world is on fire. <laughs> of all things, like, and I've said some pretty questionable things in my time um, in public uh, in terms of, like, things I dislike and things I like. But of all things, <laughs> this one, it just it just really surprised this, me. But this is a typical thing about the internet. Like, it will always surprise you the things that upset people the most. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Like how uh, many NASCAR fans we're going to hear from, you know? Ooh. Look, I'm, I don't have an issue with the, with, the, with the NASCAR people. It's too late now. I just, I need to clarify, I only have this stereotypical image in my brain of the typical NASCAR announcer. And if we have oh, any NASCAR announcers in the audience... Stereotypical view of the typical person. <laughs> it's very, very, all kinds of typicals. Um, if we have any NASCAR announcers in the audience and you feel, uh, you know, 
mischaracterized uh, here. I, I'm sorry, and I apologize. But we'll give a personal apology to any NASCAR announcers. Any NASCAR announcers in chat right now? Please let us know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> give us an F in the chat. Um, okay. Uh, also, shortcuts. Got a. Oh, before some... we move on from widgets. I don't know if you've got this too. I've seen people saying things on both sides. I have lost the weather widget from my iPad. Uh, reboot your phone. I've and done it's going to come back. Oh, really? Yeah, I've rebooted my iPad and the, the weather widget is still missing. Oh, yeah, I think it's missing on the iPad. Um, oh, okay. It was also missing on the iPhone, but then on the iPhone, if you restore the iPhone, it comes back. It doesn't come back on the iPad. Uh. I know there's no weather <laughs> app, but there was a weather widget, right? I yeah. bet there's not going to be one because there's not a weather app. Cause, but is, it used to just go to weather.com when you tapped it. But now they've got the uh, bu- 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 dark sky app. So where would they put? Where would they send people? But, to apple.com slash weather. But the data isn't coming from dark sky yet, is it? Uh, it is. Now? That widget has like uh, the rain forecast like micro forecast stuff in it at least but here in the u.s literally a, a, an icon that says the weather channel in the bottom right left hand well, corner they've, the they've merged app. it at least because it's doing stuff that olden didn't do yeah maybe right. but again like yeah. this is one of those things I think like in american Europe, exceptionalism Mike, yeah that's yeah, this, it's, it's not Europe, the same everywhere we got the so we are well it's tricky because in the in america and i believe in canada too maybe also i'm not sure they're going to get the uh precipitation alerts and stuff which is really be like annoying a, because dark sky was here I yeah, could use dark sky data. Yeah, in fact, no, I do. You know, these companies, how they operate. Oh, we're going to do it first in America and then later, mm-hmm. like years later. Like, like, is it the SpongeBob meme? Like 75 years later uh, <laughs> 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 in Europe. Uh, right now, I see the weather channel as the data source in iOS 14 on my phone. Um, doesn't say anything about dark sky. I mean, um, look, honestly, I don't care because, like, as soon as my the weather app that I want to use just puts a widget on, I'm going to switch over, but I just don't have that option right now. Hmm. But it's still annoying. I did get, I did get uh, a couple of weeks ago a severe weather alert in weather in, for Rome, Italy. It was very scary. Like, uh, it was basically like strong winds are coming. Was it, was was like, it okay. one of the, the like... Um, the system ones where it like makes a noise on your phone and stuff. No, 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 no. It wasn't one of those. But there was an exclamation point inside the weather app saying Ooh. "severe alert," and it was just yeah. Did you have like some rain? <laughs> like it's just like some wind is coming. Like it's not like a tornado. It's like, <laughs> it's not yeah. incredible outside. Yeah. It's now, not a perfect day for a beach. Uh, Here's an exclamation now, point. Now my my hair is not on point anymore. Thank you, weather <laughs> app for. Shortcuts. There's a new. Uh, they added like a starter pack to shortcuts, Yo, uh, essentially. Uh, uh, but now, in my case, I got two of these. I'm pretty sure it's a bug. Uh, but in the shortcuts app in iOS 14, you will find this accomplishes two things, I believe. One, it gives you some pre-installed shortcuts, and two, those shortcuts will be placed in a folder called Starter Shortcuts. So Apple will actually. Uh, show you that it's possible now to have folders and they will give you some um, built-in pre-installed shortcuts in the app. You know these what are... I like about these? Mm. What do you like? They're complicated. 
Yeah, these are like some of the um, the Shazam shortcuts and the text last photo shortcut. The, these are already featured in the gallery. They were built by the workflow team years ago. They transitioned to the shortcuts gallery when the app was relaunched, and they're now going to be the starter shortcuts, which is quite cool uh, because I remember like Ari and the guys building these, short, these workflows years ago, and they're still part of the... Uh, sort of the onboarding process, if you will, which I think is really, really cool. Uh, like so they vary in complication between the four of them. And and yeah. I just think that that's cool because maybe for people that aren't familiar with it, this will give them, like if mm -hmm. they want to poke and look around, it's like they might realize that this is more powerful than they expected. Or what will probably happen is they'll be terrified of it and, and <laughs> never want to use it. Uh, one point of feedback on this, maybe, you know, if I have 250 shortcuts, already maybe i don't really need the starter shortcuts thing to be added by default just an idea because i'm i'm guessing that you know if you if you see that a user has hundreds of shortcuts in the library already uh, maybe it doesn't need to happen by default uh, maybe you'll so learn one day you know maybe maybe you're just one of those people you just you just uh you're a shortcuts hoarder. You just accumulate shortcuts in the app. You don't really use them, but you like to have them there. You like Did you also get a folder set up called Home Screen Widgets? I think it's just called Widgets. I have a I have a folder that got set up called Home Screen Widgets. No, I don't. I don't have Home Screen Widgets. Are you yeah, sure you didn't create that yourself? Who knows, man? Maybe I did make it myself. Um, anyway, and the the other um, thing I wanted to mention is I'm still having some pretty bad um, performance issues with shortcuts in, in iOS 14 to the point where anytime I start working on a new shortcut, I need to wait like two minutes before I can search for any actions in the app. Like for two minutes, the editor is just Ooh. blank and any action I search for doesn't come up Oof. and if i tap on any of the categories it's a completely blank page and then eventually like i can open shortcuts open in the editor go make a coffee and then come back and start working on the shortcut and it's i'm just not giving kidding. you a break i'm honestly not kidding um so that's pretty bad uh hopefully we'll don't get make fixed. that a habit or you're gonna get yourself in trouble again <laughs> Well, right, like uh, every time you want to make a shortcut, you just go make a coffee, and you end up like on twenty coffees a day. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't yeah. want to be that person anymore. So I think that's it in terms of what's new. Well, no, there's this other thing. But Stephen, can you actually talk about this one? Wait, 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 wait. One second before we do that, I, I had a, f a bug that seems to have been fixed in shortcuts. Oh yeah, you did. Which mm. is um, the any of my shortcuts that had a choose from menu option, which lots of my shortcuts that I run frequently do. Every now and then, it would just run incredibly slowly. Like I would tap it and would maybe wait like thirty seconds, or sometimes I would get a notification after a while that just said this shortcut took too long to run. Oh, um, that's too bad. And they they're now running. Like they're being responsive now, so nice. I still, I still believe, I believe, I still have this issue, this other issue. Now that you mentioned this, uh, sometimes um, my shortcuts don't appear in the share sheet at all, like in Safari. I've had this. I've had this. Yeah, yeah, yeah and I think it's still happening, unfortunately. Um, so uh, it's not unusual. Shortcuts is one of those apps that is so complex. It's not really surprising that uh, during the initial stage of the beta season, it's very buggy. It's a very complex, it's 
possibly like I mean it's it's very complex like hundreds of actions all kinds of different integrations across the system it comes with the territory I guess mm. but still we're going to mention those in, in just in case anyone is listening and you know can pay attention to this so yeah I'm glad the menu stuff is fixed Mike there is a little bit of a, a treat in this beta so the rumors have been that the iPhone 12 will you know be two models a smaller one and a larger one uh, perhaps around 5.4 inches. And uh, the addition in this beta is the display zoom option. So this has been present on the 10s and 11 Pro Max because you could say, I want to zoom in and it basically switches from the regular 6.5 inch view to a 5.8 inch view, making everything bigger. That hasn't been on the 5.8 inch phones because there hasn't been anything smaller to zoom to. So on my 11 Pro non-Max, I don't have an option to, to change this mm-hmm. to something that would be from a smaller phone. And it seems like in iOS 14 Beta 3, the iPhone 10, 10s, and 11 Pro, all the same size, now have this option for a zoomed-in interface. And 9to5Mac, of course, did the, the math and kind of figured it out. And it seems that this zoomed-in resolution would fit perfectly on a 5.4 inch iPhone. So I I think those rumors of a 5.4 inch, you know, smaller phone with the face ID, the smaller iPhone 12 seems to be accurate. Yeah. 960 by 2079. They were able to change it. It was kind of funny the way they worked it out is they kept forcing the iOS simulator to run at different resolutions. And this is the only one it didn't crash on, (laughs) 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 which is kind of like a great way to find the answer to something. Um, So yeah, it would indicate that, as you say, like it's, it makes the phone smaller, so they've made it, which means that the lot phones that would be larger than it would be able to run display zoom at that resolution because there is a step down. So this is, you know, they because they've created iOS at that smaller level, then bigger phones can take advantage of the fact that iOS runs at that resolution and use display zoom. This makes me think that. Compact UI must be happening also because of this, right? Well, that's compact uh, UI. So compact UI would be the idea that in iOS 14, um, it's like more of like an initiative, uh, more like a, like, a, like a marketing term that Apple is using to describe a bunch of changes. Um, but this idea that many UI elements in iOS 14 are smaller and occupy less space on screen than before. So things like uh, shortcuts when they run or Siri when it, you know, like it takes up less space on screen. I thought that might have been something like uh, size classes or something like that. But now I know what you mean. Just the idea of like... Yeah, it's the idea of... The system taking yeah, less information uh, away from you. Phone calls, obviously. So uh, making sure that uh, the UI can sort of recede a little and, and you know... If it's not necessary, don't come up in full screen and maybe menus can be more compact. So you can see that also in the transition from action sheets to pull-down menus in iOS 14. All that kind of stuff, I think it makes sense in the context of one of our phones and quite possibly the phone that most people are going to buy is going to be smaller. So uh, I think it makes sense. And there's a bunch of other reasons, like we, we talked about this before, but I think also having the base model being slightly smaller than usual, I think it also helps, you know, dictate this kind of direction. I think it's great that people have more options for Face ID phones. You know, right now there's three. 5.8 inches being the smallest is too big for a lot of people. And 
you have the SE kind of hanging out as the low cost option. So I think this is going to be a pretty popular size. I think a lot of people are going to like this 5.4 inch size. Now for me, using the iPhone 11 Pro 5.8 inches, I, I, I will buy the nicest phone because that's usually where the best camera stuff is. And I really care about that, but it looks like I'm not, I'm going to have to give up this size and go a little bit bigger maybe. So we'll see how all that shakes out, but this is a really cool story. And <laughs> I'm with you, Mike. I love the way they found this. I'm just <laughs> killing the simulator over and over. I, I like the investigative work there by nine to five. Yeah. It's nice when you can back up claims with actual facts and work. So, well, uh, Big Sur also got a, a beta update. Uh, they fixed the terrible battery icon, the system preferences. Just like, thank, thank goodness that's been that's been fixed. Uh, and it fixed uh, an issue that I'd actually provided feedback on is that I could not create a new Touch ID record. So when I set up Big Sur, I didn't have any Touch ID fingerprints on the system. I don't know why I had it in Catalina, but I couldn't add a fingerprint. I would hit the button and then it would just not do anything. And beta three has fixed that for me. So I can use touch ID again on my laptop. And, uh, it's interesting that big Sur does not have a public beta yet as at least as, as if we're recording, uh, I don't really know why Apple hasn't said anything as far as I know, but at some point, I guess the public beta will, will show up. I, I kind of think that maybe it's related to, the issue that if you upgrade from Catalina or if you have a like a APS APFS volume on the same drive that Catalina's in it, Catalina will get software updates. Like there's a lot of gotchas with the install, and maybe they're trying to iron that out before opening it up to a lot more people. Mac public beta always seems interesting to me anyway. Why? Because I feel like that there's the potential for more risk. Oh, on like the user side? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think there is because Macs can be configured in basically endless number of ways and you have like weird utilities and stuff where with iOS, maybe you kind of know what to expect a little bit more. I feel like I would prefer or I think it would be better to have it as like an open developer beta. So like you add a level in between maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Right. So it's kind of like you don't have to be in the developer program to get the Mm. beta, but Mm. you don't call it public because when you think about it, who's the target? Who's the target uh, audience for a macOS public beta? Like either enthusiasts. you are. Uh, are there really any? What Mac enthusiasts? Like if you're if you are a Mac enthusiast, or don't you have an Apple developer account? Don't you want well, the developer but beta? Not necessarily. Everybody has the money, right? To 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 put behind the the beta program. You may not want to be on, or you may not think the beta experience is worth the $99 a year yeah, or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think there are a lot of people who wait for the public beta. And I think the people who look at the public beta as being marginally safer than the developer builds. Now, we can debate that. I'm not sure that's actually true. But I think the people who feel more comfortable on the public beta release cycle than the dev beta, where they feel like things may be broken more often. Like uh, me as a 17-year-old, 16-year-old or whatever, uh, I would have been bought the computer but wouldn't have the money to buy the, uh, you know, like the computer as a gift was like a gift for me or whatever. Uh, and But I wouldn't have really wanted to put down the 100 pounds or whatever to get the um, 
I didn't have a job, so <laughs> right. Uh, so I didn't have the money to buy the developer account. So it would have been good for me that way. But it's niche cases. I'm going into niche cases here, but yeah. No watch OS public beta yet either. So the Mac and and the watch are in the same boat. I wonder if the lack of open Apple stores in a lot of places in the world have factored into that. Because as far as I know, they haven't changed the situation where like if your beta install fails you can't recover it yourself. And uh, I don't know. I just wonder if those mm. two things are tied together or if that's not an issue. Maybe they've fixed that this year. I don't know. I don't run watchOS betas. Oh, I wouldn't either. Not, not hip to that. I do, but it's also because I, I like to live dangerously to an extent. Yeah. Yeah, that is just how you live your life. Want to take another break? Mm-hmm. This episode of Connected is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. I think it's probably fair to say that we all browse the internet and we like to do that without others knowing what we're doing, like our internet service providers. Yeah, you have incognito mode and Chrome or Safari or whatever, but online activity can still be traced. It doesn't matter where you get your internet from, your ISP can see every site you've ever visited. That's why you need ExpressVPN. It reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers, so your internet service provider can't see the sites you're visiting. It's available on all of your devices, phones, computers, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse why you shouldn't be using it. One thing about ExpressVPN that's fantastic is its speed. A lot of the systems really slow down your browsing. You can forget about streaming video in high quality. But ExpressVPN is shockingly fast. So go protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by both CNET and Wired. Go to expressvpn.com slash connected and get three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash connected to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for the support of the show and Relay FM. Yo, Tichi, how's the review going? Uh, um, very strangely, I would say. Um, so I started writing the review uh, a few days ago. Because um, you I did f- something you don't normally do, which is you wrote a long article. No, I usually do. See, everything right, is weird. You? I usually do, actually. Huh. But I do it when I'm coming back to Italy from WWDC. So it uh, doesn't, it doesn't also, really... I think it differs. Like one year you wrote a review of an actual iPad. Yes, yes. Yeah, but this, this felt this felt very much like it would have been in the review, like a lot of what you wrote. Uh, which is why I'm going to reuse it, uh, yeah, which is something that I do. I adapt things that I write early in the summer. Um, no, it's it's different because w- when I write these articles in the summer, so I wrote something about the I- iPadOS 14 public beta. Um, but when I do that, I, I do that when I'm coming back from the U.S. to Italy. So it doesn't really eat into my time that I spend uh, researching or taking notes or working on the mind map. And this time... It also didn't, but it happened at a very prob- problematic time in that I, ma- I had to make the, de- the decision to write something as I was on vacation. So I actually wrote this article at the beach in southern Italy uh, while Sylvia and I and, and our dogs were on vacation. And Sylvia was kind enough and patient enough to let me do it, but it was very, very much non-optimal, I would say. Anyway, the review, I feel like... I'm slower than usual. I feel like 
it's taken me a while to be fully inspired to work on some chapters, but I also feel like this is perfectly normal this year, and I feel like my um this is happening because I I know that it's gonna be a shorter review. I know that it's gonna be more compact. I mean, I already uh, worked out, like, I have the mind map completed. I worked out the number of chapters that we're doing. We're already working on the design assets for these fewer chapters. Like, I know it's going to be shorter. It's going to be less work. And so maybe that's why I feel like I can take it a a bit easier. At the same time, there's the other half of my brain saying, no, you cannot take it easier because then you're going to be late and you're not going to meet your deadline. You're going to be screwed. It's going to be horrible. So I'm trying to balance these two voices in my head telling me that, look, it's fine. You can get it done. It's going to be short. And the other saying, no, you're going to suck and you're going to wait until the last minute. You know, basically the usual struggle. Um, But also I, I feel like another factor to consider here is how the feature this year, which is widgets, um, is very much dependent on third-party adoption. Because, yeah, I can write about the Apple widgets and I can do my comparisons with uh, the older widgets from Apple in iOS 12, uh, in iOS 13, and the widgets in iOS 14. But that's no fun. Like, I feel like people expect me to to show off some examples of the cool well, stuff that's going to be possible. So I right? know from my own personal experience in reading your reviews that through the beta period... Um, I when used using Apple stuff, and one of the things that I one of the ones that really I remember vividly about this was the new extensions in iOS nine. Yeah, eight, eight. Where uh, I actually, funnily enough, read this review on a Kindle on a beach in Palermo <laughs> in Sicily. Wow. So I have lots of good memories about this specific review. But it was more about like I was on the beta and didn't really get to use many extensions. But then reading all of the extensions you had had from third-party developers in beta really kind of helped drive home Mm -hmm. why this was important. Mm -hmm. Well, like I feel like I could understand it in the abstract, but the the actual specifics will be what really make help this make sense for me yeah um so like it it is a key of like and i wonder if this feature this year with the widgets is maybe do you feel more reliant than other years or is there always something like this where you feel like you have to have third-party apps to be able to write this section there is always something like this, but I feel like it's it's going to be more prominent with widgets because it's, it is it is such a relatable feature for so many people. And, and I it's think a, it's more design-focused than it's other more, stuff too. It's very much design-focused, so it, it really lends itself well to uh, lots of screenshots and images in the review, lots of ex- like visually showing off what, what developers can do. And I so I had this realization a few days ago. I started writing the review earlier this week. I wrote the introduction in one session one day I felt really good about it and then I moved on I looked at the map so I can tell you right now there's going to be nine chapters in total so very compact review uh, I mean years ago there was like one review that was like 20 chapters I believe it was not, not my not my best time um, so it's going to be nine chapters and I was looking at it and I'm like okay chapter two setup and performance. I'm not going to make the same mistake as last year. <laughs> last year, I wrote it in July, like late to ju- by this time last year. Like a fool. And 
like a fool. And then iOS 13 got worse <laughs> during the summer. And well, the also, the setup thing, I expect that they probably finalized that later in the period anyway. Exactly. So I, I learned from my mistakes and like, mm -mm, I'm not going to write this one until late August or like early September because I want to make sure that the setup images and the performance discussion is as close to the final version as possible. So I moved on to the next chapter, which is of course the home screen. And in looking at it, like uh, as with last year, uh, I am going to touch upon some technical aspects of widgets, but I don't want to, uh, you know, I, again, one of the lesson, lessons that I learned with iOS 11, uh, it's not really fun to talk about APIs and really technical stuff in depth in a review. So Thank you. Going to have that sort of, going to try and strike the same tone, I, I, at least I want to, of last year and iOS 12, where I know the technical stuff, and I will mention it, but only when necessary. Um, I want to try and see if I can make you feel better about something, a thought that I just had. Okay. I know that you are, rightly so, concerned about the timeline this year, right? Because you have to be ready for September, yeah. because you have no idea when nope. iOS comes out, right? Yeah. I think it's probably fair to say that iOS will come out later than usual, but we don't know that. But I think you would probably be pretty like good to assume that. You shouldn't, but other people can, right? Like We can naturally assume that it will come later. So I bet that you get more third-party betas that okay. you can yeah. run before iOS actually ships because developers will be working on the same timeline that you are. Right, everyone's going to be like, if I want to be there day one, I need to make sure I'm ready for like early September, even though I would bet that iOS doesn't come out until late September or early October, because so, the iPhone probably won't come out that time as well. So I bet you will be able to get more examples of stuff like widgets than you would in a typical review. So a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I really hope you're right. And if anyone at Apple, even anonymously, can at some point <laughs> this summer confirm this, that would be really exceptional for my mental health. Thank you. Um, Second thing, um, I had this realization um, as I was looking at the map, and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to write about widgets. And then I looked at it, and I was like, um, this map is missing the really cool and interesting stuff, which is third-party examples. Like, it's, I can write about the Apple apps. Also, same discussion for sidebars on iPad, right? I can write about... Apple's own sidebars, but really, where's the fun? I mm -hmm. want to write about the third-party adoption. So I put out a call on Twitter saying, if you're a developer, if you're working on widgets, if you're working on sidebars or three-column uh, layouts on iPad, uh, get in touch, let me know. Send me an email, send me a tweet, and uh, if you have, send me a beta. And so I spent the past two days uh, basically replying to like hundreds of emails. <laughs> I have all kinds of examples now. I already, have a, I already have a couple betas on my phone right no. now, actually. I'm so jealous. Uh, with third-party widgets. So that's really cool. Um, and I have, uh, in theory, lots more coming uh, for, you know, all these like kind developers getting in touch with me and saying, hey, I'm working on this. Like people showing me screenshots and like uh, screen recordings of the simulator, which was very cool. So uh, thank you if you got in touch. If you haven't gotten in touch, but you're working on Something, please get in touch because I can always use more examples. Um, and yeah, I think 
what, uh, this is really exciting because I really think it, this is going to be like the consumer feature, right? And I think it really should make for a fun section of the review where like, here's what this widget can do and here's what this other developer has figured out how to do with the, with the widget. Here's the design of it. Like, I really can play around with a bunch of different examples and it should be fun. And the rest of the review... Um, Obviously, it's going to be an iPadOS section. And even there, as I mentioned, I'm going to show off a bunch of examples mm -hmm. of um, sidebars and third-party mm -hmm. developers doing things. And obviously, I'm going to talk about shortcuts. But I think it's pretty safe to assume that, uh, you know, the, the changes in shortcuts this year are not as massive as last year. Yep. So there will be examples, but you shouldn't expect the kind of massive chapter for shortcuts that I've had for the past two years with iOS 12 and 13. Because yes, there are some changes, but I mean, once you mention folders and once you mention the other stuff, like the new actions are not really groundbreaking. But even then, third parties can, can come in here and say, uh, we're now using in-app intent handling, which is this new API um, that on the surface, it doesn't really sound exciting, but once you try it, it is incredible. I'm already playing around with a bunch of shortcut actions made by third-party developers this, that use this new technology, which basically means shortcut actions are now, can now do a lot more powerful things in the background because of this new API. And so yes. the other day I did something just wild, which was I created a wallet pass. So a custom pass for the wallet app using a shortcut action that had like dozens, I believe like over 30 fields for parameters. So I could put in like custom images and titles and subtitles and captions and multiple fields. And this is like a very memory intensive thing to do. But thanks to... Uh, in-app intent handling, the shortcuts action did it in like five seconds. And it spit Ooh, out yeah. a wallet pass inside shortcuts. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's going to be fun. Can we go back to widgets a second? Because I had a thought that I wanted to share, right? Yes, yes. There has got to be no developer more happy right now than underscore David Smith. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I recommend, by the way, people listen to the most epi recent episode of Under the Radar because it's, it's very funny when... Uh, Underscore flexes in a way that I never would have expected to hear from him, and it is absolutely fantastic. Desire to, like, scare off people. Um, like, if someone else was like, huh, I wonder if I about making something like um, Watchsmith, but for widgets, like, I would hope that they would be, there would be less of an interest in doing that if they know that I'm going to do it too, because then you're... Like it's like you, you're, you're gonna have a tough time out out underscoring underscore. Like I am, <laughs> you're not. You're never gonna have as many widgets. You're never gonna have as many options. Like this is what I do. So, like I kind of want to stake my claim and say like this is what I'm working on. This is how I'm gonna make it. Like good luck trying to keep up. So that's sort of where I ended up on secrecy this summer. I think that's the most you've ever flexed in public. Yeah, <laughs> because he is talking about like the position that he has found himself in right now where he just happened to do a lot of the hard work last year with widget smith and now can like really it, it just works now yeah yeah we've watched smith and now he's making widget smith um which that is something that he talks about on under the radar um but basically he can use a lot of the stuff that he put into his wonderful complications app which like you know when we all saw the complications thing it was like oh amazing underscore's gonna be so happy and 
yeah. I'm sure he is, right, about the fact that he can put multiple complications on it now. But now, having done a lot of the brains to being able to create effectively a configurable widget application, because I guarantee it is going to be a lot of people that want to make that app, right? But no one's as far ahead as he is because he's done a lot of what's needed, like knows how to make all these apps in Swift UI because that's what I had to do on the watch and has created like the brains of this system to like, you know, I just think it's like a funny thing where like Underscore's found himself in like a, a very lucky position because the things that he decided to turn his hand towards, Apple also agreed with things they wanted people to turn their hand towards. So, you know, bravo to, to Dave. Yes, yes. So... Widgets will be really exciting, and uh, right now I'm just trying to balance um, everything going on this summer, basically. We like my schedule and whether we want to go on another vacation or not, the fact that I have a tattoo to finish at some point, um, and writing the review in the middle, and also working on all the extra stuff for September, or whenever that is going to be. So I really hope that at some point I will be able to get a sense of the timeline here. Mm -hmm. But I have to stick with my plan of I need to be done in early September or I need to be in a very good place by early September at least. Um, but as I mentioned, this is going to be shorter than than previous years uh, just because of the nature of, of uh, iOS and iPadOS 14. And... Um, I'm going to try and replicate the tone of the past couple of years, which is technical, but not overwhelmingly so. And if, if anything, I think, judging from the introduction that just came out of me a few days ago, uh, it's going to, I think the overall tone of it is going to be a lot more friendly, maybe is a good word to describe it, than, than previous years. I think it's very much, like judging from the intro, it is very much a... 2020 inspired review if you know what i mean like it, it's a review written in the current times uh acknowledging the fact that 2020 is what it is and you know also from the angle that ios 14 to an extent you can see the reflection of that in some of the features of you know the, a post-covid um world so it is a product of the times i guess uh and i want it to be approachable and i want it to be more compact than previous years, but also I want to do a bunch of cool stuff in terms of like extras and things surrounding the review. And also like, I'm trying to figure out ways to, something that, that a lot of people that I've been thinking about actually for a few years now is there's a lot of information in my reviews, right? There's a lot of details, but sometimes people just want to have like a, like a, like a, page like a list where they can go in and discover all these little tidbits all these like hidden features and like smaller details and so I'm thinking of ways of how can I make certain details from the review like these little things like if you long press this icon something happens mm. like how can I make it more approachable to have like a, those tidbits from the review also be available standalone is also something that, that I'm considering this year um, I have no idea what you would do, but I would like that because those yeah. little tidbits, they're like... They get lost in the story. They get lost, but sometimes they are some of the things that you would encounter on a daily basis that yeah. are, are better for you to, you to use than like 
I don't know, something random. You know, like you know what I mean. Like, like these deep stuff, right? Like these little things. They're like they 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 make the experience of the operation. For example, system. for example, I don't think nobody knows about. Very few people know about this. Did you know that in iOS 14 you can hide contact suggestions from the share sheet? Like you know the share sheet and the con the sharing suggestions for iMessage and stuff, if you long press one, you can now suggest less for that person. Or oh, group. that's good. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Like, I never need to send my mom things from there. Yeah, same. <laughs> like, like, I never text my mom a link, right? <laughs> like, so she doesn't need to be in this list. Yeah. That's good. Check out this thing I found on Hacker News, Mom. I know. Not needed. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so trying to think of better ways to extract these little things and make them accessible in in you know outside of the review, maybe maybe just as simple as a separate article saying here's a like the fifty more most interesting little facts from the review. Maybe it's just as simple as that, but it's something that I want to do. They're also pretty good for sharing on social media. I reckon. Yeah, if exactly. That's the thing that you want to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We didn't even talk about the tools. We should keep that because I'm sure things change over time, but I want to hear more about the tools that you're using. All right. We could talk about that later. Yeah, we could talk about that later. I think that's probably it. Sounds good. If you want to find links to the stuff that we spoke about, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 304. While you're there, you can get in touch via email or you can become a member and receive Connected Pro and ad-free extra long version of the show each week you can find us all on twitter mike is there as i-m-y-k-e mike name another podcast you're on uh remaster with federico it's a video game podcast like once a month cool so go check out remaster if you want to hear these guys talk about video games once a month Mm -hmm. you can find federico on twitter at vitici v-i-t-i-c-c-i he is the editor-in-chief of macstories.net you can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my writing over at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Pingdom and ExpressVPN. Until next time, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.